may be seated. Now that, uh, that word there, enough, that I have enough, that's a challenging word to really say and to mean. And we're going to find as we look through Ecclesiastes, he, he finds that as one of the, the frustrating parts of our existence um, is that we don't know how to say, I have enough. You know, that we, we don't, uh, we're not able to distinguish well from our wants and our needs. You know, that uh, God promises to meet all of our needs. And, and we celebrate that and we rest securely in Him and that. But we can get confused, you know, with well, what's a want and what is a need. Um, we've been walking through Ecclesiastes, and it's a, a, a book in the Bible that a lot of people um, haven't read. And a lot of people don't like. You know, it's fun to sort of go through this and have people say, you know, I don't like that one. Well, that's good. You know, if you liked everything that was in the Bible, you wouldn't need it. And it probably means you're not reading it correctly. Uh, or it means you're God. So take your pick. As to what it means if you read the Bible and it always is just precious moments. It's not a precious moments book. It's there to challenge as well as encourage. It's well to confront as well as to comfort. And Ecclesiastes is one of those that is just, it's just hard to get because the guy's a cynic in a lot of ways. You know, he's, he's been looking around everything under the sun. If you read through Ecclesiastes, a common phrase as we've been reading through it, everything under the sun that he's studying, he looks at everything that's around and he says, you know, it's meaningless. It's futile. And our, our translation says it's vanity. Which, as we've been talking, is just, it's a, the literal meaning of the word is it's a vapor. It's smoke. It's there. You can see it, but you go to grab it, and it doesn't have any real substance. And so today, what we're going to look at is the, the notion of our human desires. He, he sees our human desires, and, and he says, you know, they just lead to frustration. You know, there's, there's desires that, that we want certain things and maybe we can even get them. But do we get to enjoy them? And even if we do get certain things that we want and, and we get to enjoy them, they don't ultimately satisfy, even if we do get them. And, and those desires within us are great. As we'll see, I mean, they're good too. They're, they're there for a reason, but they are great and they are Hard to control. They, they, they make good servants, but terrible masters. Uh, so, and, and you know that. You know the, the desires for the things of this world uh, that are there that we face. And so I've got um, one, a, a video for you that just highlights just the, the desires that we have for the things of this world and how challenging they can be. To, to be in, in control of those um, desires. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll see here, this setup actually, it's really old. It's called the marshmallow test. 
Um, and it's, it was first done at University of Stanford um, with young children. And what they took the child, put him in a room, put a marshmallow in front of him, and said, you know, if you'll wait 15 minutes and not eat this, then I'll give you a second marshmallow. And that is the test that we'll see here, the marshmallow test. Sit in that chair. All right, here's the deal. Marshmallow, for you. You can either wait, and I'll give you another one if you wait, or you can eat it now. When I come back, I'll give you another one, so then you'll have to. But stay in here and stay in the chair till I come back, okay? All right. leave and then I'll come back okay so you can either eat it right now or you can wait either way okay okay how'd you do did you do good you did you wanted to eat it didn't you yeah so did I tell you to give me another one okay now you can have both you need them. <laughs> you can see the power of desire in them. And isn't that just a, it's a great picture you know, of our desire and, and, and the difference between needs and wants because what was in front of them but a white fluffy piece of sugar air. <laughs> yeah. And yet it's everything within them. You know, I, I think the, the, the last two, either be the red-haired girl, just pop it in your mouth, you know, don't waste a second, or the guy at the end, you know, where you get both of them and then just pop those. I think he was even waiting. Is there another deal here? Can I double or nothing you know, again? But what, what Ecclesiastes sees is the power of that desire within us. That it is there, that it's good desires. I mean, these are good desires. They're good desires for our own. I mean, to taste, to eat food, that's a good thing. I had a science teacher that was in a car accident, and in the accident, he lost his sense of taste. And so he lost, you know, just tons of weight. He was, he was ill all the time because he didn't want to eat. And you could see with Mr. Casey that they had to do things to make him eat because it had lost all sense of any kind of pleasure. 
So it was, it was a good thing. I mean, it was necessary there to, to eat and, and to have um, a shelter, you know, to have a home. That, those, are, those are good things. Now, again, that, our culture and our affluence, we've really lost sense of the difference between needs and wants. Yeah, we just really have. We just got to be honest with, with that. Um, and I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, and just helping to go around the, just to visit with other countries, you know, where there's, you know, your average home you know, is a two-room hut, you know, and your average salary is less than $2 a day. You know, that's the average, you know, for these communities. It just, and, and in our, our country, the last 40 years, the average family size has gone down by almost two people, but the average home has gone up a thousand square feet in that same time. So, you see, we, we really don't get the need and want. Because it's not by need that we've added a thousand square feet to our average home because our family size has gone down in that same time. So that, but we, we see that struggle with being able to say enough and put those desires in the right place. And so Ecclesiastes, he, he gets at that because he sees how these desires, we can follow after them and either they, we, we get what we long for and, it, and it, we, we taste it but then it doesn't satisfy or we, even worse yet, he would say we get what we long for and then we don't even get to enjoy it. That is futile. So let's, let's look at that and then explore some of the words of Jesus and from Ecclesiastes that where he says, but, but this is what is good. He'll, he'll get us there. But let's, let's see what he has to say um, here. Chapter 6, starting with verse 1 on page 539 in your pew Bible. Let's, let's pray together. Gracious God, speak to us in this time. Um, continue to uh, fill us. Uh, continue to expose us. Um, where we need to be exposed. Continue to, to sh- show us the, yourself and the, the satisfaction indeed that we find um, in you. Um, speak to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright, chapter 6, verse 1. There is an evil that I've seen under the sun, and it lies heavy upon humankind. Those to whom God gives wealth, possessions, and honor so that they lack nothing of all they desire. Yet God does not enable them to enjoy these things, but a stranger enjoys them. This is vanity. It is a grievous ill. A man may beget a hundred children and live many years, but however many are the days of his years, if he does not enjoy life's good things or has no burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he For it comes into vanity and goes into darkness, and in darkness its name is covered. Moreover, it has not seen the sun or known anything, yet it finds rest rather than he. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to one place. So this first part, you see, what he's saying is, look, here, there are people that, that God has given the things, he's given them the stuff they want, given them the money that they want, given them uh, the, the honor even, the fame. He's given them to all those desires, but they don't get to enjoy it. 
be better off not being born, he says. I mean, you know, Ecclesiastes, he's, he's not um, you know, trying to be soft-spoken here. He goes straight. It'd be better to just never see the light of day than to do that. Because that, to, to have it but then not enjoy it is worse than just never having life at all. And, you know, we can see that. You can think about ways that that, that does happen. You know, that, that, that folks accumulate the stuff and, and maybe even the, the, the fame and, and the wealth, but they don't enjoy it, sometimes for their own decisions, you know, their, their own actions. They, 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 they just keep working. They just are always working, workaholics, and they don't stop and enjoy the gifts that God has given to them. And, you know, other, other times it's that you might get it, but then you squander it as fast as you got it. Others may be the times that, well, they get it, but then they're so filled with anxiety about it, you know, about maintaining it, about keeping it clean, about keeping it pristine, that they don't enjoy the thing. They live in a museum. And then there's plenty of situations where, yeah, you get the things, you, you accumulate the stuff, but it's stuff outside of your control. Disease comes and wipes, wipes you away or, or wipes your loved ones away. Or they get stolen by others. Or, or storms come or a fire. And it, the things that you have that you've accumulated are destroyed or, or some accident occurs that, that takes it away or... Yeah, an economic downturn that comes and has takes all that you've accumulated. Or war comes. I mean, things that are outside of your control. Again, these these desires are good. You know, that things that we need for food. You know, the the money for those things, shelter. Or they're for our very individual survival, or they're for the survival for us as a people, like sex. You know, a powerful desire that we have that is absolutely necessary for the human race to continue. And that God has ordained it that way. But those desires, when they become God, they destroy. Because they are not faithful. There's no guarantee in what Ecclesiastes is saying. I mean, if you pour your life into these things, the, the object of your desires on this world, there is no guarantee that you're going to get to enjoy them. Jesus says something very similar. He, he takes this to the, the next level and says, yeah, the things of this earth are not to be what you desire. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See that? That's uh, really a key thing that it, it, 
Ecclesiastes gives us, I mean, he, he might be bemoaning this, how terrible it is, but it's a great warning to say, you know, if you put your heart in these things, there's no guarantee you're going to get to enjoy them today because there's no guarantee for today or, or tomorrow. As I said, they, these things are the object of our desires are good servants. They serve us well in terms of the propagation of the species and in terms of our own survival, but they are terrible masters. That's why at the end of the, that chapter, in chapter 6, verse 33, that, that, that Jesus says, Strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. The, the, it's His kingdom. It's His righteousness. That what is a guaranteed. That, that's what we, we know we will be able to enjoy. No matter what. Because even death doesn't separate us from God and His kingdom. Uh, if you continue on in Ecclesiastes, you start off with... Uh, Pick up where we left off in verse 7. You see the, the other piece where it's um, even if you do get them, even if you, you do get where, what you're, you're desiring, they, they're not ultimately satisfying. All human toil is for the mouth, yet the appetite is not satisfied. For what advantage have the wise over fools? And what do the poor have who know how to conduct themselves before the living? Better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. This also is vanity and a chasing after the wind. All right, so just to walk through this a little bit, it um, may be difficult to say, well, what's exactly he's saying here? Well, first, you know, all human toil is for the mouth. It's sort of metaphor, but he's just saying your appetite's never satisfied. You know, you're, you're, you, you eat a meal, well, but then, you know, I don't know, it depends on how old you are. You know, you're hungry again. Some of the teenage boys I know, an hour later. You know, for some of us, maybe it's six hours or depending on how big it is. But eventually, you know, you're, you're starving again, so we would say. You know, we, we, we satisfy our desire for sex. I don't think it matters what, what age you are. An hour later, you're still ready to say, when do I satisfy that desire again? We, we get the car of our dreams. You know, and, and for that moment, there's that euphoria you know, of that purchase and seeing it and all the rest. But then you know, that starts to decline in a new car of our dreams. Or some other dream comes. I mean, that's what he's saying here. And, and he says, verse 8, and there, it says, and what advantage do the wise and the fools have? The, the poor, there is none. This is the case for everyone. Everyone has their, their desires, their human desires, and they put all their attention on fulfilling those human desires, and ultimately they realize that their appetite is not satisfied. 
So then verse 9, better is the sight of the eyes than the wandering of desire. This also is vanity and chasing after the wind. So he sees people continuing to chase after these desires, again, that are good, that are necessary for life. I mean, hear me out on that. You know, they're good things and they're they're necessary things, beautifully how God has created them, but we put them in the wrong place. And that's that's what he keeps seeing over and over again. And what he says here with this, you know, it's, it's better, in a sense, it's like it's better to see the light at the end of the tunnel than to wander around in the darkness of one desire after another. Yeah, it, it, it's about really seeing what that ultimate end is. That's what that vision is than just living from one earthly desire to another. You know, back to that, that marshmallow test, um, roughly 65-70% of the kids eat the marshmallow. Yeah, that, you know, that it's there, it's before them, and, and they eat it. Um, but a, a recent, uh, did a little added element to that experiment. And what they, what they did was they, they shortened the time to where almost anybody could do it. You know, they shortened it except for the little redhead. Um, they shortened the time to like two minutes. You just wait two minutes and then we'll give you a second marshmallow. All right? And so they, they did that and a lot of people could hold off, a lot of the kids could hold off for those, those two minutes. But what they did, and this is sort of mean if you ask me, but it makes for an interesting story, um, is they, they half the group... They came back in and said, oh, you did it. That's great. I was just kidding. I'm sorry. I don't have another marshmallow for you. And so they were the unreliable. That's mean, isn't it? Yeah. The other group, other half of the group, they came in and they said, oh, you did it. Great. Here's the second marshmallow. And that became a reliable group. So one part of the group had experienced the unreliability of the marshmallow givers. And the other group had experienced the reliability of the marshmallow givers. And what was amazing is they brought them back the next day and did the 15-minute test. And the reliable group, the group that had experienced the marshmallow giver giving them the marshmallow, they broke all the records. They, they lasted much longer than any other group and over half of them waited for the second marshmallow. Whereas usually it was less than a third would wait. What Jesus is getting at to us, well, Ecclesiastes is, is telling us, you know, the things of this, the desires of this world, the, the, our desires need to be reordered. Need to be sure they're they're aimed in the appropriate place. The desires for the things of this world, they do not ultimately satisfy. They are not ultimately fulfilling. They are second order desires. And what Jesus says is our first order desire is for the faithful provider. The one we know who provides all that we need and provides us with what brings us 
true joy, which is himself. And that we have to see, recognize, learn and grow into seeing then the other provisions, the secondary desires and the provisions for those desires are gifts from his hand. And that frees us. Say, I have enough. That, that frees us on this journey of saying, what is a want? Or what is a need? And just because it's a want doesn't mean it's bad. It may be a want that, that God wants to give us. But if that's the case, it's a gift from God to be stewarded. Not a need that we have to have for our own fulfillment. Now, often, you know, we can think about this and say, okay, you know, like some of the kids, I'm going to be better. I'm not going to desire the marshmallow. You know, I'm going to try harder. And, I, you know, go for it. Try. If it works for you, you give, it, give it a whirl and write a book because, you know, there are a billion diet books out there. And we just know it's not about conjuring up self-control. It is about what Jesus said. It's about falling deeper and deeper in love and commitment and faith and trust and walking with God. Because He's the one that is our ultimate need. He, he's the one that provides for our body, mind, and soul. Now, Ecclesiastes knew this, and he actually said it just before chapter 6. And I want to just close with that, chapter 5, verse 18. This is what I've seen to be good. Now, when he says that, man, he says a whole bunch of stuff, you know, that's really bad. He's like, this is terrible. This is, this is um, you know, vanity. This is chasing after. Well, here he's saying, here's what I've seen, something that's good. It is fitting to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with, one, with which one toils under the sun the few days of the life that God gives us. For this is our lot. Likewise, all to whom God gives wealth and possessions and whom He enables to enjoy them and to accept their lot and find enjoyment in their toil. Now here's the kicker. This is the gift of God. In order to enjoy those things, we have to see them as a gift from God. For they will scarcely brood over the days of their lives because God keeps them occupied with the joy of their hearts. And the joy of our hearts, the ultimate joy of our hearts, is God Himself, who is the faithful provider, the one who makes a promise and fulfills it. The one who says, I will care for your every need. The one who cares for body and soul. As we walk with him, as we seek him, as we order our desires, refocus our desires, aim our desires ultimately at our creator, at our faithful provider, then, we learn to say, I have enough. We, we learn to grow and distinguish between our needs and our wants. Amen.